0: Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orne at Cruise Consulting and today my very special guest is Michael Chapp. You, I don't know what company, is it Utomic, is it your official banner you're flying right now? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Utomic. Yep. Okay. Uh, but Michael is a renaissance man, he's got a bunch of stuff going, he's an awesome guy, he's an entrepreneur, he's got a really cool kind of social impact project he does too, which is one of the main reasons I want to have him on, so welcome Michael.
1: Thank you very much Scott. Yeah. So um, we met through what, Jim, or who, who did we meet through, Aaron Hales? We we and met Evan? through met through Evan, um, but I have to give a shout out to Baria operators because they're the one who with Evan kind of got us connected. If that didn't happen, then this would never have happened today. So uh, thank you to those guys. That's like a,
0: a social slash business networking group. Yeah, they're all yeah. good people and very smart people, and we do a lot of business with them. So that's awesome. Well, so maybe you can retrace your career a little bit.
1: Yeah. So um, you know, I, I always say that I I grew up in large corporate America. Um, I I grew up in a family where. Um, You know, it was always work, go work for the stable companies and and you live a long career there. And um, I think I always had that entrepreneurial itch in me. And uh, I started way back when, when I was 19, working for General Motors and uh, one of my first ideas was actually kind of adding biometric sensors into cars and I just remember this blank stare of people looking (laughs) at me back in 1999 like, what? And um, you know, obviously, today it's it's something we actually talk about. So I did. I lived a a good career in large corporate America. um, Spent eleven years at Hewlett Packard, and uh, you look way too young to have spent (laughs) eleven years somewhere already. I appreciate that. I think it's the Asian blood in me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I appreciate that. You know, I started working in R and D at Hewlett Packard, and I really love the teams there. Um, But i was you know invited to go and i went to go to mit um, for their sloan fellows program and uh, during that process I, I met some amazing people and uh basically went to work for an entrepreneur a serial entrepreneur and that was kind of what took it to the edge for me was the you know getting over that that hump because i think we get so comfortable and large in our in our job but we may have that itch of like i want to go start something yeah. But it's getting over that hurdle and just having that person who might inspire you to go do that. You know, I I haven't looked back. I've loved it ever since. And, uh, you know, that entrepreneur was Sal in in, in Boston, and I just, I love him for for giving me that opportunity to get me over that hump. Yeah, I had the same thing with Vanessa and
0: my mom, actually. My mom owned her own business, and I saw that growing up. And then nothing's more, like, enticing than when you're watching your wife or future wife build a company, you're like, oh, that looks really fun, I think I'm going to jump in with you. And of course, you and I both know that it's not <laughs> all sexy, fun, fun time with uh, startups, but it's like, it's incredibly rewarding. And so what, what was Sal's business? What did he do?
1: Um, so, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm an engineer by background, uh, advanced degrees, but um, he actually had a food business. So he was in uh, fast food, he had pizza businesses, and he, he grew out franchises there. And oh, then yeah. he got into fine dining. And then he had a you know, food commissary where he was doing food production and then commercial real estate and then high tech. So the guy just had this ability to be able to create you know, and, and bring people with him. And what was so inspiring was you, know, you go and you look at what you've learned in large corporate America. You learn what you take away from you know, business school. But really what makes an entrepreneur, that's, I think, the essence where you have to actually work with somebody or, or, or pick up from somebody else that you don't learn in those traditional avenues. Yeah. But the combination can be very impactful. Did you find yourself saying, like, we can't do that or <laughs> we shouldn't do that? And then him being like, no, we can do this. Or what, what was it like? What was the interplay like? Um, I think, you know, a big part of it is, uh, so I, I was brought in to bring structure to an organization, right? So most entrepreneurs, you you know, you're the, the, the explorer, right? Like yeah. you want to constantly innovate. And to kind of bring structure to that is something most people kind of frown upon or look at and like, what are you doing? I don't quite understand.
0: They like (laughs) structure. We we
1: have a saying here that people
0: love structure and bureaucracy
1: as long as it doesn't affect them. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's a great. Oh, I love it. Let's make some more rules. Oh, that rule affects me. So no, I can't play by that rule, you know. So, you know, kind of having that entrepreneurial spirit, but and so being able to understand that innovative cycle, but also understanding the need for structure. I think it, it just created a great, wet, you know, like a marriage of being able to, to carry a company through that innovative side to how do you scale and how do you structure something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was very fortunate to have gone through the, the entrepreneurial innovative side through that, you know, scaling side to the full structure and how do you just codify it and build a business from there.
0: Was it like, because a lot of times entrepreneurs, even us, like we were still doing some things, probably not the best way, or our friends are helping us on something, or family, (laughs) whatever. Is it like you get in there and you're like, okay, we got to hire real professionals for some of these jobs and straighten this stuff
1: out and make sure we know where all the money's going and things like that? Absolutely. It's, you know, the big part is always, you know, first coming out with the finance, where are you at? And then start analyzing the operations. And... There's there's things that actually some, you know, textbooks will say you're doing wrong and you shouldn't do. But in some cases, you know, it's actually the right thing to do for your business. Yeah. You know, you know it better than a textbook. So it's finding those those cultural pieces that make your company tick that you want to actually build upon and not like crush. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where it takes time. Um, but yeah, then other components you bring in experts per se, you know, in quotes uh, to kind of come in and help. But at the end of the day, they still have to fit that culture and understand you know, the vision and how you're gonna get there and not cripple it.
0: And it's hard for them sometimes because they don't understand the backstory of how you got somewhere. Or, someone interviewed Summer Redstone, who I think has passed, but he built CBS basically, from ground up, and they asked him like how, it was like a hedge fund guy saying like, "How how could you possibly run this super complicated business? He's like, it's easy, I built it. I know how everything works. You know, I'm the one who, and so, there's times like that when you're the entrepreneur where you're like, I know exactly why we do this and I know here's here are the three things we tried before. We I actually had that conversation at Cruise Consulting yesterday where a couple of our newer team members were suggesting some stuff and I was like, that's a great idea, we tried that two years ago, here's why it failed. Maybe, it's, maybe the answer would be different actually right now and we're gonna actually try it. There's all this inherent knowledge that the entrepreneur has and I feel like you, knowing you a little bit, your personality is good. Like you probably are good at drawing that out and like helping get the backstory and then make an informed decision.
1: You know, and, and you brought up a great point. It's always revisit those questions yeah. or why we couldn't do it before. Why it didn't work. Yeah. You know, I in large corporations, that, that plagues the large corporation. And that's one of the reasons why I think they can't innovate fast enough is they'll say, you know, 10 years ago we tried that and it didn't work. And you know, that's where as an entrepreneur, you have that opportunity to kind of embrace that and say, yeah, it didn't work two years ago, but guess what? The technology advanced. We've advanced as a company. We know our industry better, and now we can actually deploy that with success. And that's a big part of it. And then also, you know, we go back to the culture side of it. Is you know making sure that you have you share that that story, you know, that backstory, um, because the root of where you've been kind of dictates you know how you're going to make decisions in the future. And and don't be f- afraid of that. You yeah. know. You're so right, and it
0: is, I think that's one of our strengths is being willing to revisit. Because it's a little bit of a pride thing where you're like, wow, we really messed that up last time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) I feel, you know, you're kind of like almost embarrassed. But it's like, yeah, we're probably a different company now. Or sometimes, honestly, you just have better team members who just really are, you know really more professional or have more experience than the previous team members trying to execute on that including yourself you know like sometimes you just you've learned so much in the last couple years you can you can execute on it or maybe you
1: went too deep into the weeds and you really need to just pull back and view your company from a different perspective yeah you know honestly that's one of the hardest things right you you get so passionate about you know your business and you've seen it grow that you kind of need to take a step back every once in a while and just say is this really what's right or am I just caught in the momentum yeah. of, we're just riding momentum right, right now. The working in the business versus working on the exactly.
0: business. Which exactly. Which <laughs> I really believe in. Okay, so you did HP and then you went to work with this amazing successful yep. entrepreneur and yep. you learned all these life lessons and how to build a business and then what did you do after that?
1: And and you know honestly, that's where I found that what I love doing is creating growth and that includes jobs. Yeah. And You know i I looked back and i was like you work in large corporations you tend to move if you work on a project you move resources from one project to another but are you really creating tangible jobs off the street and that's where when i worked with sal i really realized he's creating real jobs off the street and so i was like you know what let's go create a startup and we had this consulting business which was working with succession planning for companies and um coaching and executive plan you know working with executives and we're like, you know, we're starting to work with startups, but we have this like imposter syndrome, right? Like, we started a consulting business, but have we really created a startup per yeah. se? You know, we we
0: embrace being a startup immediately. That's probably what we because we serve startups too. Yeah. but we're like, no, 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 we're startup too. We're not going to get this exactly right. Let's keep innovating, keep and that's
1: key. And that's yeah. awesome that you guys did that because I think we we kind of thought of it in a more structured way. And I think. Yeah. It was the startup that we had created, which was Utomic. So Pacala Consulting was our consulting is our consulting business. Um, and so my other two co-founders, uh, Victor Chung and Alexander Karp, we we kind of looked like, what do we have a product, you know? And um, they both came from HP. We we all worked together there. Didn't you guys want to
0: make a product? You're like, we like we should do this. We, right? yeah. yeah. So
1: it, it's kind of funny when I was working for Sal, Alexander had this. He's, he was working on you know their four corners um, to protect your phone. It's uh, so basically a new style of protection, minimalist. And he sent them to me was when I was working at Sal in Boston. So he's out in San Diego. And I looked at these things. I'm like, what the heck are these yeah, things? You know, At yeah. first I called them chicklets, right? Yeah. I'm like, how is this supposed to protect my phone? I'm like, but you know what? I love you, man. I'm going to try these out. And I put them on. And after about a month, I was hooked. I'm like, I can't go back to using a case anymore.
0: So Michael's companies has created like a protection for cell phones, for iPhones. You put them on the corners, but you still get the. This is, I think, the key insight, or at least for me. You still get the the feeling of holding the phone and not this bulky case, right? Like, exactly. It's, that's really nice. I should have you as our marketing guy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's like that's it. So, and and you sh- you've showed it to me a bunch of times. I think actually, by the way, I don't even know if I told you this, but I think like a week after we had lunch, I saw Vanessa having some of those on her phone, oh, and I was like, oh my god, I recognize those. Yeah.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's not a giant physical product, but it's incredibly useful.
1: Yeah, you know Alexander. You know we're, we're all engineers, uh, so he kind of took the concept from your brain, right? Biomimicry. Hmm. Your your hard outer, you know, your skull, and then you have a inner brain, a fluid supporting yeah. that, and then your your brain. And we kind of think of your phone as the brain, uh-huh. you know. And then we have awesome. the, the, the corners, right? They actually have a membrane and adhesive membrane. Do they really? They no. do. Which which once it sticks, it allows it to shift. So once there's an impact they move to dissipate the energy away from the phone. I
0: didn't know that much engineering was in there. Oh, yeah. So that's the
1: thing is that we actually have people who try to look at it and they're like, oh, this is simple. Put it this way. So it's like a shock absorber. Exactly. Exactly. So you can imagine it's easy to kind of duct tape something up and make it look ugly, but it'll be protective. Yeah. But it's more difficult to make something very simple, elegant, and work. And um, we kind of use a football analogy again, because we're just like, you know, you, you put the elbow pads on, you don't. You know, and the knee pads, you don't swarm the whole, the whole football body. players yeah, so they yeah, can't perform. Yeah, right? yeah.
0: So where do people buy these right now? Like um, everywhere?
1: So you can buy them on utomic.com. Um, we do have retailers throughout. They're kind of threaded throughout the United States. Uh, but we actually started internationally. So um, in contradiction to most companies that you hear about in the United States, we actually started internationally and then brought it, meaning our market where we sold first, and then we brought it back to the United wow. States. And um, Why did you do that? So there were a couple things. One was, you know, you, we wanted to make sure that the U.S. market is really tough, right? Consumer critics are everywhere. So we wanted to make sure we had as solid of a foundation as we could to build off of. And a big part of that was our customer service. So can we have 24-7 customer service? Because you have to support all these different time zones, yeah. right? If you can do that, you got it. Yeah. And then, you know, we wanted to learn import, export, to customs and things like that. But a big part of it, honestly, was we were, the time we started, we were in a recession. And so we were looking for areas where the economy was strong, the currencies were strong. Interesting. And so could we make sure that we were going to have a sustainable business out there and looking for growth markets other than the U.S. in the mobile accessories wow, business? Wow, that's crazy. So, yeah.
0: I would have thought it would be something like it was close to your production facilities or something like that. But...
1: So this is the irony of it. So we built Utomic on four things and this is that's what right, we're going to yeah, get yeah, into. Yeah. One was we wanted to build a business in a commoditized market. So Alex had this wonderful idea. But we were like, can we build an international brand in a commoditized market? You can't get much more commoditized than mobile yeah. accessories. Yeah. But can we build a premium brand? Yeah. Um, the second part is, could we do good and do well? And this is what we'll talk about is, you know, right off the bat, we didn't want to wait until you make profits to give back to your community. We wanted to do it immediately. So we built a business around adults with disabilities yeah. and parents who wanted to get back into the workforce. That's awesome. Um, and then the third part was, can we manufacture in one of the highest cost structures, California, right? And actually make a business we and profit. Loved, we love paying right. taxes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh man, do
0: we pay taxes? But so, so talk about adults with disabilities and the manufacturing that
1: you do yeah so we started off early give a backstory on why we did that my mom was an occupational therapist and so growing up all my friends um had like ms or were quadriplegic or blind i didn't know any better right like this these were my friends for all intents that's how i knew them was what i saw and it wasn't until i went to first grade where i started seeing there were differences but i still didn't quite see why people were looking at them differently um, and my mom, her dream was always to have a workshop for these adults once they graduate from school, um, K through twelve. And what we kind of fall short there, right? Like yeah. as a society, um, and this is what I, I really want to get the word out about is, and, and this is a unique part is, we all have challenges, right? Um, I personally have dyslexia. I didn't know about it until I was way in my late in my wow. college career. Wow. Um, but my mom, I was her guinea pig, and she didn't want me to know because she's like, you figured it out in third grade how to compensate for it. And oh, she was like
0: watching you and tutoring you?
1: and So she, yeah, as an occupational therapist, yeah. she was always testing new things. And I didn't know as a child. Now yeah. I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah, this makes sense now. But she was like, you know, you figured it out on how to at least compensate enough to, to do well. And, you know, I, I graduated valedictorian, so she was like, you, you you figured it out. Yeah, And that made me reflect a little because I started thinking back on it going... You know, it's it's true. Once we dub somebody or label them disabled, that's all we ever see, right? And I mean, I have lots of faults, right? Like we all do. But can you imagine waking up every morning and somebody immediately always looking at you from that 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 lens? And you're not
0: walking around with a sign on your forehead that says dyslexia or something like that. Exactly. So most of the audience knows I have a, a started a nonprofit called Ben's friends that builds patient support community. So we were connecting over this and it's, it's, there's different types of restrictions, but a lot of those people are looking for interesting things to do with their time or build yeah. a career. And they can, a lot of them do like online work and things like that. So that's why I thought this was so cool. So, so you basically were like, Hey, I'm going to build, I'm going to build a company that my friends can work at essentially.
1: Yeah. And you know, I talked to Victor and we ran the idea and it was interesting because Victor's wife was actually on the board. Of partnerships with industry and so we kind of connected again on a different level because I was like I did not know that and so she connected us with them and from then the the relationship kind of blossomed we we were a startup looking for you know how to how to do what we were trying to do and build these products and we wanted to do it in the US and so we formed an early partnership and they were helping us uh, on the assembly and manufacturing side and packaging side and then it kind of grew from there, and we we built our own facility, and we just started hiring these adults um, with coaches and, and making them the the backbone of our business. That's really. awesome. Good for you. And
0: what's what's been the feedback from them? Like, is it positive? I guess, or what what have you heard?
1: Yeah, it's been very positive. I mean, we're we're probably one of the largest uh, employers from them. Um, and what we do, and, and the big part is, we focus on strengths, right? And that's what they do as well. So it's identifying what is the strength of each individual. And then how do we either engineer or build tools, since we're engineers, to enable that or make it even easier? Interesting. Um, but Like production tools? Like production on. tools, or it can be just, it can be anything. You know, it's just like we really want to make sure that there's something that we can have for everybody to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the areas where it has been a little challenging and it's going to get a little bit more challenging uh, for adults with disabilities in the, in the near future, the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act that was passed in 2014 so one of the things we benefited from that will disappear pretty shortly here is piecemeal work. So what that is, is you, individuals are paid based on the number, the output that they create. Mm. So you can so imagine...
0: slower, a little slower, it doesn't impact, the business can still make money from employing them. Exactly, thing, yeah.
1: and, but what's happening now is based on this new act, um, they're trying to transition and make it equal for everyone, which is also the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it makes it a little bit more challenging on the businesses because you can imagine if one person's creating five widgets per hour amazingly well, right, yeah. like high quality, but another person's producing 60, You know, now I have to make a decision as a business owner. Whereas before, it was great because I could hire both, Yeah. and both would benefit. Because now what's going to happen, unfortunately, is unless I'm willing to take a hit as a company, that one person who's making five or ten widgets per per hour may not have that opportunity yeah. now, and and that's something we don't want to see either. Yeah, that's tough because I
0: get I get why legislation would be passed to kind of try to solve that, but it's, I can see it's it, it's one of those um, unforeseen consequences, exactly. usually like government yeah. le, uh, legislation. Yeah. So great
1: intentions, but yeah. now it's just more of now the states are challenged with how do you how do you make. It's successful and so now what they're trying to do is do aptitude tests which hasn't been really done in the past so for other industries it has but in this area now they're trying to look at what are right fits based on aptitude um, and based on interest and yeah so- that's tough though because then it's taking it almost out of the free market a little bit yeah and-
0: making it more of a a bureaucratic procedure, I would think. I think probably, I would think, this is my hypothesis, but being a startup and being able to do this pretty quickly was hugely advantageous to you and allowed you to grow and employ more people and things like that. Absolutely.
1: I mean, the one thing that was beautiful was they had the resources to scale. Yeah. So we started off small, and as we were scaling, they would put more resources towards it. And obviously, it takes a lot of training, but it was something that we were willing to kind of work with, you know, we wanted to work with, um, to see them succeed. There's one thing that always had stuck and I I share this because it made probably the biggest impact to me and why I continue to always support this and want to see it move forward is, um, the first day we brought everybody into our facility, you know, there was the first paycheck period and, uh, man that's gotta be awesome. My co-founders and I, you know, direct deposit wasn't set up yet. Yeah, So you are handing them out. So we're handing out checks and, um, we walk over, we're handing them out, and, and one young lady, we hand it to her, and she just looks at it, and she goes, is this right? And we just look, like, we, we think so. Like, yeah, we was like, like, whoa, did we, we miss something? We don't have
0: Cruise control Consulting running our payroll, <laughs> exactly, but we, hope, we right. hope it's correct. We didn't know right. you back then. Right? <laughs> <Yeah,
1: yeah. laughs> we are like, well, well, let us go distribute the rest, and we'll come back. And so sure enough, we go back to the office, we look at everything, we're like, "We think this is right? So we go back out, and we're just... You know, we walk up to her and we're like, we, we think everything's right. If you think there's anything wrong, please let us know. And yeah. she's just looked at us. She said, I've never seen numbers this large oh, before. That's awesome. And she earned it. And she earned it, and know, she earned uh, it right? Yeah. And that's the first time you start to also be humbled in terms of we take it for granted that we have this resource of we, we have a bank account that we know that we can, we have a, we can get a job yeah. and fill it. And um, she used her first paycheck to buy a gift for her mom. So talk about selflessness, right? That's me
0: tear up here. That's amazing. Wow. You know, you probably have like a hundred of those stories. You know, it's like... That's really cool. So is sometimes though, with like legislation, like something's about to expire, and then at the last second, like Congress redoes it. Like, yeah. is, do you think that's gonna happen
1: or? Um, it's hard to say with any administration where where their heart is gonna yeah. go with this. Um, the one thing that I, I have to praise, like partnerships with industry, and I think there's Arc up here in San Francisco, um, all the organizations across the country. I have to praise them for the fact that they have to work within these constraints, right? And mm-hmm. they're always trying to find funding to to provide training to these adults um, because, you know, we talk to a lot of parents and the number one thing is the fear in their face, which is what is my child going to do once they graduate? Yeah. And can you imagine not having that kind of set? I mean, it's, it's bad enough. Most of us think about like, what is our kid going to do even yeah. if they're able? by now? Also you people you get so
0: much positive feedback in your life from doing work and doing good work and things like that and it's Absolutely.
1: just people should not have to go without that.
0: So Michael there's another program which you guys started which is pretty awesome too. Well, maybe you can talk about that?
1: Yeah, so we we wanted to also look at another opportunity of, you know, how do we how do we get parents who have taken time off once they had their child, you know, they wanted to raise their child and, you know, now they're looking to get back into the workforce and you know, they may not have the confidence level yet because they're still looking at is my is my career still relevant? Yeah. Like, am I is my education? Yeah. Um, maybe I've stepped away from my network for a little bit. Yeah. And when you're whatever
0: you do, like I think about that, like, could I do triathlons still, you know, or things like that. It's, whatever you're not doing, your mind tends to won't run wild and sometimes self-doubt creeps in. So you guys help conquer that self doubt.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and you're right. It's the self doubt that's actually worse than actually the outside world, right? Totally. Um, we look at them and we're, you know, the, the people we have on our team, and you know, we love them because they're so talented, and we know that we're a stepping stone. Um, so they may move on, um, but what we want to do is at least provide that opportunity for them to rebuild that community, that sense yeah. of confidence, yeah, um, and pride and exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: So wait. So how does this work now? People
1: do they is it a separate program and people contact you
0: through that, or is there another partner organization that you work
1: with? No. So we actually do. So that's all internal. So Victor Chung, our uh, our HR guy, he is phenomenal. He's always looking at you know new ways of kind of building companies and you know and so we as a team we kind of collaborate on all, all of this. But he's just really good at being able to identify amazing talent. Um, I was talking with him on the phone last night, and you know one of the things that he brought up was. He, he wants them to kind of self-manage. And it's this beautiful thing because the flex hours, right? Somebody might have to go run to go pick up their kid from yeah, school, but what they do is they manage themselves as a whole. And he, he oversees it, but he wants to make sure that they're doing it. Um, so you're only as strong as your weakest link is what he said. And, and I truly believe that yeah. because I, I watch them, I sit on the calls and you can tell like they're just they all want to support one another because everybody has something that comes up. Um, but nobody takes advantage of it and I think that's the biggest part yeah. is how do you build a a system where people want to support it versus take advantage of it because yeah. then that's when it starts to fall apart. And I think
0: we're starting to explore that too because we just had a baby, we're back at work and then we have a couple other team members that have babies and it, you're right, it's like things always come up so can you find a way to make it convenient for everyone, still get great people and allow them the, the satisfaction of doing the right thing for their family whenever it needs to happen. So yeah, my mom actually was telling us the other day that she allowed her team to go down to four days per week and also let people go pick up their kids from school at her, when she ran her company. And it was like, it was one of the most important things to all the mothers that worked there. And actually the retention rate was super duper high because of that, because of that flexibility. Sometimes people take the short view of like, oh, it's economically hurting me, but actually, if you're retaining more of your team members, it can actually be incredibly positive economically, and so it's a it's a total it's a classic win-win type of situation.
1: It really is. I mean, when I when I look back, um, in terms of the people we have on our team, like it's it, it's loyalty, right? Yeah. And a lot of it's it, they're loyal to one another. Yeah. And they're loyal to That's the company. That's a great point. Yeah. And it's it's that family that they've created, yeah. and we love it because we we know that every day somebody wakes up in the morning, they can choose to go work for whoever they want. And we are so fortunate that they choose to work with yes. us. You know? And that's the way we approach it, is we want to have an open environment where people feel comfortable like challenging each other um, in a healthy manner, but being able to embrace our, div- our diversity of who we are um, as a company. And you know, if you fit within that mold, you know beautiful things can yeah. actually happen right I totally agree I mean we have
0: I think the working for each other is like such a positive it's like being on a sports team you put that's you try hard for each other same thing at work and at our work there's some late nights you know so people are doing it for each other or helping each other oftentimes people stay late and help someone else with their work so they can both get out of yeah. there at a reasonable time so yeah that's that's really powerful for those that are kind of considering this type of shift like would you say like profitability, growth, all those kind of like financial metrics are just as strong or perhaps even stronger because of the diverse workforce you have in these other programs?
1: Absolutely, so I would say, you know, there's an upfront cost, and I think that's the part that most people get caught up on, but it's like with anything. You need to kind of build the structure upfront and say that we're gonna commit to this, but once you do, it pays off tenfold, right? Yeah. It's in terms of your attrition rates are extremely low. Um, it's also the ability to be able to challenge and give people growth mechanisms, you know, to, and so they see a career path, Yeah, you know, it's, and that's, it's, it's always touching base with everybody who works with you saying, look, I know you're doing this today. What would you want to do 6 months from now, a year from now? And you know, that's one thing that I think the company does really well is yeah. we 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 always are embracing that part of it and it can be in any form. It's so funny. I feel you're
0: making me feel good about us cuz Vanessa just sketched out like a career progression entire like for many many years we haven't even presented to the staff yet if they listen to this before we've presented it's coming but like <laughs> it that's exactly what we're trying to do and like it feels good to be in a position to even be thinking that way instead of just like survival mode all the time and so yeah That makes me feel good about what we're doing too. As someone who is a nonprofit and helps a ton of startups, like you're making a huge impact both, you know, for your company and saving the iPhones of the world from breaking, (laughs) but also it's really cool to hear how you're helping people with disabilities and also people who've been out of the workforce for a while.
1: It's, uh, do you ever think you'd be in this situation? Like it just, it just kind of happened? It kind of just happened. You know, I, I honestly didn't. I'm a firm believer of kind of like just embracing you know opportunities yeah. and working with great people it's kind of taken me many different dimensions um, I, I'm just happy that we were able to create this opportunity yeah. it was something you know my mom had dreamt of and it was nice to be able to kind of make it come true and and, and have her come and see the, the facility and, and see everybody working in harmony it's that's really probably the thing that you can never take away Most of right? way. that's awesome that's your gift to your mother you yeah know, that's really yeah. cool
0: Awesome. Well, Michael, maybe you can tell everyone where they can find Utomic and all your other projects. And and thanks for coming on. This has been awesome. Uh,
1: thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Utomic, if you're looking for great protection for your phone, um, uh, you can go to utomic, U-T-O-M-I-C.com. Um, some other companies I just wanted to give a shout out because they're doing amazing things with adults with disabilities as well and supporting this initiative is ethalivefully.com. Uh, so they're actually at Kratom. They're working on some alternative uh, uh, biotechnicals um, for pain relief. Um, How do you say their name again? uh, Etha, E-T-H-A, livefully.com, and then also we have HyperOps, which they're a supply chain on a blockchain, um, Ah. which is also- That's a cool name, by the way. Yeah. That sounds like it'd be a Star Wars spaceship or something like that. So yeah, so they're all, you know, they're they're doing great things, um, you know, supporting adults with disabilities as well, and so um, anytime I see that, I would love to- you know, give a shout out to them as well.
0: Uh, your changes in the world in more ways than one. It's, it's, I can see from the smile on your face and the sm- smile it gives me that it's it's awesome. So congratulations, thanks for coming by. Is there a website we can check out? Like if someone has a business that they can, I missed the name of a partnership for?
1: So it's partnerships with industry. So this one is specifically down in San Diego. Okay. So um, we've really enjoyed working with them. Uh, they've, you know, they've been doing a phenomenal job uh, trying to you know train these adults yeah um, and then I think there's also I looked it up last night I think it's ARC okay. uh, up here in San Francisco there's ones all across the country yeah. um, of these organizations who are really working on training adults there's ones that for instance even on website development do not get caught up in labeling please yeah. um, look beyond that and, and look for bringing in adults you know that are amazing um, and will support your organization like you will not believe, yeah, guaranteed. So. Good for you, man. All right, thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thank you.